God, again, we come before you as we've worshipped you this morning. As we see in that video, we're reminded that you want to be with us and present with us and want us to have relationship and with you. I thank you that we never have to be alone. Even when we enter into what man would consider loneliness, Lord, we're never alone. I thank you for that. So I thank you for the cross, and I thank you for giving us opportunity to, to come directly before your throne and right up to you, Lord, and, and have relationship. We praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Again, it's a great morning to be able to worship. And I'm going to try and um, preach quickly, not like an auctioneer. But uh, I want to do something special here at the end of the service, and, and so, um, but I want you to expect it. That kind of is my message this morning, is it, we, we're, we've been talking last week was Vision Sunday, and it's about encountering His presence, changing lives for eternity. That is our vision as a church. And so we're in this series now of encountering His presence, and today's title is, Can You Expect It? Can you expect it? Can you expect to encounter his presence? And the answer, in short, would be yes. You can expect it. Now, another question to that would be, do you expect it? Do you expect to encounter his presence? So this is where we start to discuss and understand what we had alluded to last week is different types of presence. We talked about this presence where it's, 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 always there. I forget the title right now, but it's always there. We always know that he's in us and amongst us and his, his creation. We can see it in his creation and just the air that we breathe. We know that he's present in that. And then there's this manifestation or this manifest presence where all of a sudden, and generally this would happen when you're at your lowest of lows. You're in a dark, dark, dark place. And then everything changes because he, his presence penetrates whatever it is that you're encountering at that moment in time. And, and some of you have experienced manifest presence. But today, we're going to talk about how do we, we do this thing called cultivated presence. What is that? What, how, do we, how do we get to this place where in our lives that we can encounter his presence because we're cultivating things in our lives that take us to that place? Cultivated presence. What is that? How does that work for you? Who would like to know that you could be in his presence while you're washing dishes or cooking dinner or driving to work or you're or dealing with customers that are giving you a hard time? How, how could you know? Maybe you're a dispatcher and you're dealing with that. How would you like to know you could be in his presence in the midst of those times? How would you like to know that you could be in his presence during a football game? <laughs> maybe tonight. He can be present with me during this game, right? Cultivated presence. I, I'm going to talk about a few things today. I'm going to talk about, uh, here's some C words for you for cultivated presence. Conversion, capacity, context, and the church. Now, I couldn't, I had to put a ch in there. It didn't quite fit. It was conversion, capacity, context, and church. So, so those are your C words for today, all right? Cultivated presence. Cultivated presence, it, it comes with faith and expectancy. Do you expect it? Can you expect it? Are you expecting 
to encounter his presence. Cultivating our lives for God's presence is not so much about our own effort as it is about responding to God's initiatives of love and grace in such a way that we are in the right place at the right time, in the right heart condition when God shows up. It's about faith and expectancy. I want to talk about conversion. We saw it alluded to in the slide earlier, and and I don't know if I can get there from here. You might have to run it from back there. But conversion, if you could go to the slide there, Adrian, that says conversion. I have a scripture up there, Romans 10, 9, and 10. This is very basic, very simple. Some would say, well, I, I know all about that. But it's good to step back for a minute and understand conversion. Because if you, if you haven't been saved and you know it and can say amen, then, then you, you stand a chance to not be able to live this cultivated presence. Will he manifest his presence to you? Possibly. Is his presence around you? Yes. But to encounter his presence and cultivated presence, you need to have this. You have to be somebody that's gone through conversion or salvation, repentance, so in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe, that's a big word, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we say amen to that. Because we all want to be saved from a life, and, and, and I'm not talking about just the hard times in this life. I'm talking about a life of eternal damnation. That, that ugly place we don't like to talk about too much. But it, it's real. We, w- there's books out that say heaven is for real, but hell is for real too. And so what are we being saved from? It's, it's that. And, and you want to live a life of hell or do you want to live a life of heaven? Consider that. So if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And what I love about verse 10 is it says, for it is by believing. It's not by believed or believe. It's believing. It's, it's constant. It's going on and on and on. Are you continuing to believe in God over your salvation, over your conversion? And then it doesn't stop there. It says declaring, not declared, Not declare, it's declaring, it's constantly declaring over and over again that I am saved, I believe in Jesus, he died for me, I'm not going to live a life of hell, I'm going to live a life of heaven, right? That's conversion. And when you understand the conversion of your life, the salvation of your life, you start to be in this place where you can start cultivating presence, where you can start encountering him all the time. True repentance results in a turning from sin... Repentance, again, is a turning. I won't preach that message. But true repentance results in turning from sin and and an inner renewal, a change which can only be brought about by God, who draws people to himself and and who through Jesus Christ gives forgiveness and new life. And you'll know it by how you see things. I remember as a boy, I was 15. I went to a, uh, on a trip, uh, it started off in Florida, and, and some of you will remember, I went on this trip with teen missions, and, and I was in Florida in boot camp, they called it, and, uh, 
It was a great time for a 15-year-old. It'd be hard today, but it was a great time for a 15-year-old. And I remember it would rain a lot, and then it would steam a lot, and then it would rain a lot and steam a lot. And that's all we had in Merritt Island, Florida, was rain and steam. But one day I was sitting doing our morning devotions because we were supposed to. Check the box. So I'm sitting there doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and there's a rain, there's a mud puddle from the rain in front of me, and it was just dirty, and I'm looking at the mud on me, and I'm dirty. And... But then it was something happened in the midst of that devotion time. I could no longer see the puddle or the mud. All I could see was the reflection of the clouds in the sun. Because that's what conversion is about. It's, it changes your outlook in life, and that's something that God does for you. When, when you turn your life over to God, all of a sudden things don't look the same. What appeared to be dirt and mud became reflection of his light and his creation. That, that's what conversion really is all about. Are you saved, and do you know it? Well, how do I know it? It's, you'll see things differently. If you believe and are believing and you declare and you are declaring, you'll be saved. In his presence is where change happens. In that devotion time is where change happened for me. Which is the, the only, this is only able to be done, though, by God. It's not something that you do. You just have to choose to believe. You just have to choose to declare he does the changing. That, that, that's kind of a relief, you know, we're in this mode of, I'm in this mode, I should say, of, of trying to change my life. I, I, I really want to change my life. I'm not happy with some things in my life, so I am going to change them. But what happens is I fail a lot at it. Now, physically, I want to change my life. You know, what I see on TV and see in magazines or on Facebook... I don't look like that. The clothes don't fit quite the same way they do on that guy. So I want to change this. Well, I trying to change this, it's hard. It's not going to work if I do it all on my own. Uh, that's why I appreciate groups like Daniel Plan it's, it, and the Daniel Strong Plan, a, a group that's starting up. It's, it's not about just changing your appearances and you doing all the work, it's really submitting to God who does the work for you because he is a loving God that loves to do the work for you. How many mothers are here today and loves, and you love to do things for your kids? And how many dads are in here and say, stop enabling your kids? I think God's a good father and a good mother because he does it all, right? All right. I won't go. That's another message too. <laughs> Therefore, it is ongoing. I'm going to keep moving on because I'm going to get in trouble. Um, it, is a, it is an ongoing, intimate, life-changing relationship that God wants to have with you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to have a relationship with you so he can help you change and grow and be all that he created you to be. And that happens in his presence, and it starts through conversion. Now, the next word is capacity. I love this word, and when I think of capacity, I can't help but to think about what's going on when you drive across the bypass or you start seeing the reservoirs in our state and, and how it wasn't very long ago. And, and, and I was thinking about this the other day. My son and I were driving to Sacramento, and, and we drove across the bypass, and it's just, it is an awesome thing to see all that water. If you, don't, if you haven't been out there, 
that, that bridge that goes from Woodland, basically, to the airport. Um, underneath it is nothing but water now. It, it's, it's the inland ocean, freshwater ocean. <laughs> that, that's what it looks like. And as we're driving across it, I don't think my son, as he and I were going, has ever seen that before. Because it's been so long since we had that much water. But that, that dry bypass we used to always go over always had the capacity to do what it's doing right now. That's what capacity is all about. It's awesome. I think about our reservoirs as they were so low. They always had the capacity to be filled up and to store that life-giving water that we all need. You and I have capacity. How, how do I know that? Because God created us in his image. So if you want to cultivate presence and encounter his presence, you have to understand that, yes, you have to be converted, but you also have to understand he created you with the capacity to have him inhabit you, to be, to be in you and to live a Christ-like life. Isn't that incredible to think about? He created you in his image so you could be like him. You won't be God, but you could be like God. And what's that mean? It means I could live a life of heaven. Everywhere I go, I can have joy unspeakable. I can have grace and mercy in times where most people would say, just put them aside. Ignore them. Be done with them. No, I can have grace and mercy because if anybody ever felt rejection, Jesus did. And his capacity to love and show grace and mercy in the midst of rejection was awesome. And you have that same capacity. Maybe you feel a little dry. Maybe your reservoir is not full. But you have the capacity for it. You have the capacity for it. He created you with it says in Genesis that we were created in his image. It says, let us make man in our image, he said. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature. This is the New Living Translation. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put on your new nature. Understand your capacity and, and let him fill that up. Where, where the water would run, you know, 30 feet. Or, or the ground would be 30 feet below the bypass. Now, it's, now there's only about 10 feet left because there's 20 feet of water in there because it's realizing its capacity. And what's interesting, as I said earlier, is when we drive across the interstate and we see that, it, it, you do get the sense of awe because the capacity it was created to, to be filled is awesome when it's filled the capacity God created you to have when filled with his presence is awesome. When people are, would be in your presence, in a sense, they would be in his presence then, and they would be awestruck by it. Be, be filled up reservoirs for him. As humans, we, we are, we're created with the capacity to experience God's presence and to live out an adventure of hearing him and experiencing him, and responding to him, and following him every day. Because we have been created in what? His image. We, are cre- we were created in God's likeness and image so that we would have the ability to know him, 
That's why he created you in his image, because he wants you to know him. He gave you the ability to know him and experience his presence intimately. It, it is the promised blessing of every believer to have a close, growing, close and growing relationship with God. God is not static, and neither is our relationship with him. He is a living God. He's an acting God, and he's speaking to us today. Cultivated presence. We need to understand this idea of conversion, and we need to know that we have capacity, but we also need to understand context. What is the context of your life? Now, context is the circumstances that form the setting of an event, statement, or idea in terms of which it can be fully understood and assessed. What is the full understanding and assessment of your life? Now, we live life too many times out of context because we live life under the pretense or the idea or the thought that I have to live life for myself or for those that I'm uh, here to take care of. But that's not the context that you can live and understand this cultivated presence and know this cultivated presence. If I'm living my life in the context of it's my life, then I don't get to cultivate presence with God. But when I live my life in the context of it's not my life, it's his. And everything in my life is for me to go after as he directs or to do as he directs or to speak into as he directs or intercede for as he directs. When I start to understand the context of my life the way it was meant to be because that's the way he created me to be, then we start to live this cultivated presence. We start to live in, and get to understand the encountering of his presence and to know him. What's the context of your life? We need to be converted. We need to understand the capacity, but we also need to understand the context of life. It is not your own. I, I know I, I harp on this a lot, but when the church understands its capacity and when the church understands the context of church, community will not be able to resist the love and the mercy and the grace and the renewal and the restoration and the life-giving love that will come to them. So how do we get there? In his presence. In his presence, he'll change us. He'll form us. He'll develop us. He'll grow us. Because oh, he, he, he desires us. It's what he wants. You ever try to buy a gift for somebody that has everything? What do you get them? Well, he owns a, the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, I, there's nothing he needs. What do you give God? The greatest gift you could possibly ever give him, and that is yourself. He wants you. Did you notice this morning, I said this to the worship team on Thursday, that there's this old um, Sunday school song I remembered as a kid, and 
When the prayers go up, the rains come down. And when the prayers go up, the rains come down. And when the prayers go up, the rains come down. And I don't remember the rest of the song. But, but that's what was happening this morning as we were worshiping him and praising him. And as the praises were going up, could you feel it? Could you feel his presence? It, it, it's not an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. I have uh, heard story after story now over the last um, several months, and, and, I'm, and it's not just something that's happened in the last several months, but I've been hearing these stories recently, that people will come and visit New Testament church. And by the way, we want them to come visit, and, and honestly, the entire community of Woodland needs to come to New Testament church. And as they come, they say they walk in the door, and it's not worship that they sense something. They feel something. They understand love. It's just coming in the building that they can feel his presence. Now, if they're on church, they don't know what that is. And for you that have been here for a very long time, you've grown used to it, <laughs> maybe. But it's real. It's life-changing, and that's why we want everyone to come to church. And, and I'm going to coach you a little bit. If, if you see somebody new coming to church, the reason we do what we do over here with the refreshments and the coffee and all that isn't so you can have your morning breakfast, although maybe that ends up being part of it, but it's really so you can connect with someone you've never connected with because it's in the midst of relationship that we start to grow too. When we have this relationship, remember our mission statement, to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. That's purposeful. That's intentional. We do that because we want to develop a relationship with one another. But they can come here and encounter his presence and their lives will be changed for eternity. You're in the midst of that. You're doing that now. Imagine if everyone was doing that in this community. Every Sunday, every church was full because they were encountering his presence. Mm. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday would seem so much different in our city if and when that happens. I say if and when because it is a when. But there's also an if-then that comes with it. It's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and heal their lands. That's Tuesday night prayer at 630 here at the church. What's the context of your life? Second Corinthians 3.16 says this, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So, so when you turn to the Lord, go through that conversion experience, this veil is taken away. This, this thing that's kept us separate from the Lord is now taken away, and we can go right before him. Verse 18 says this of 2 Corinthians 3. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Who this morning stood before the mirror before you walked out of the house and said, Oh, I'm glorious. I thought we all did that. Oh, just me. No, I don't. But who said that? Well, we don't, right? We see the flaws. But forget about your flaws. Every time you see a flaw, say, I just need to be in his presence. And that's a flaw in the way you look, in the way you live, in the way you breathe. If I see a flaw in my life, I just need to be in his presence. Because in his presence, he's making me glorious. He's converting me and changing me and, and making me into his glorious image. Then you don't even need any mirrors anymore. 
Because mirrors are to reflect your image. He's created you to reflect his image. You become the mirror. Oh, I love God. Oh, he's an awesome God. He wants us to be beautiful, amazing people, his people. The context or view of our life should be understood in in the right context. And that's found in his presence. So church, I'm here to encourage you that yes, you can expect, can you expect his presence? Yes, you can. Your conversion, God-created capacity in life lived in right context will bring you into a place wherein you, the church, will usher an entire community. Hear this. You will usher an entire community so that they will be encountering his presence, changing lives for eternity. What's What's it mean to usher people? Now, we have ushers here, and every now and again, we've gone to the the opera house. We got there 20 minutes late the last time. Went and saw my favorite thing, and it it was called A Christmas Story. You shoot your eye out? That's that's my favorite movie, and they were doing it at the opera house. So we went to see that. We were 20 minutes late, and and so we thought it was going to be awkward. But you know what? There was an usher there to help us and shine a light and help us get to our seat. That's... That's what we can do as a community, as a church. We can usher people into his presence. That's what we're to do. This is why, this is the, the why, I should say, for this church. Why do we exist? Why are we encountering his presence, changing lives for eternity? Because that's what he's called us to do. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29, and in, one ver- in verse 24, Paul's talking here, and I'll read the verse. It says, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the suffering of Christ. Paul is just that way. He's like, hey, I'm glad to be suffering. It's a great day. I'm suffering for Christ. <laughs> and he's happy. Us, we're, how you doing? Oh, well, you know, praise the Lord, I'm breathing. No, that wasn't Paul. Paul's like, hey, I'm suffering for Christ. It's a great day. He goes on to say that, that continues, he does this, sufferings of Christ that continue for the, his body, his body, the church. So we are the church. Who are we? The church. Who are you? The church. We are all the church. And he goes on and says in verse 27, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. His riches and glory, the riches and glory of Christ is for all. When it, when it says it's for you Gentiles, and you're like, well, I don't think I'm Gentile. I need to do, uh, what is that DNA test to, to find out if I'm a Gentile or not? No, trust me, you're a Gentile, unless you're a Jew. And if you're a Jew, you'll know it. What he's saying here is that the riches and glory of Christ are for everybody. So how do we, un- how do we help everybody understand the riches and glory of Christ? And then it goes on to say, and this is the secret. You ready? Who likes a good secret? Especially if it's not about you, right? Here's the secret. Christ lives in you. 
Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So participate in that and show that Christ lives in you. So conversion, capacity, context, and the church in that will change a community. Now, it's not something you do. You have to understand these things. You have to choose to believe and be converted. You have to know that he created you with capacity. You just have to be available so he can fill that up. You need to understand your life that if I really don't focus my life and what I do, but what I can be in him, and that, again, is just being in his presence and reading his word. And in and, and reading his word, how many of this morning, <laughs> forgive me, Lord, I really was trying to stay awake while I was doing my morning devotions. Because this morning I'm reading scripture. Don't do this. I was laying in bed reading scripture, and every now and again I would wake myself back up again because my phone would fall and hit me in my face and startle me, and then I would start reading my... But you can take time out and say, Lord, help me to gain and grow from the word I'm about ready to read, and he will do the work. He will bring... It's better than any coffee, and I love coffee. He will do the work. This is what I want to do this morning. I'm going to ask anybody that has anything to do with worship, if they would come and stand right up, right here in the middle. Worship team, singers, musicians, those that are in the sound booth. I think Judy's going to be coming in with the kids right now. Just ask you guys to all come up here and stand. I talked earlier about how you, the church, are to help usher a community into his presence. Now, when we have services here at New Testament Church, yeah, all three of you can come on up. When we have church services, you know what our worship teams do? Isn't this great? Don't we appreciate them tremendously? Glenn, if you could help Judy, too. I think she's, she's coming around. Okay. They, every Sunday or every service, they help usher us into his presence. His presence is here. They, they will they'll come up with, they'll pick songs, and they'll, they'll work on their talent so that they can play that song before this audience of one who is God. And, and they, so they are performing, but they're performing for him. And, and as they're doing this, they're doing it so that they can help you focus your thoughts, energy, and heart on him. So we can enter in to his presence. And they, every Sunday, do that, or every service, they help usher us into his presence. And so on purpose today, intentionally, we're going to honor them for doing that. And we're going to honor them by praying for them as a church. Because I am believing, and and I'm going to speak this to, if you guys could all turn around and look at me for a second, I want to, as we... I knew this was coming for the last couple of days, and what I begin to understand as I was sitting there this morning is that God's about ready to take this. And has worship ministry ever been a struggle? No. I meant this week. It's always been a struggle. And here's why it's always a struggle, church, because this is where breakthrough will happen, and the enemy doesn't want to see it happen. So he tries to bring in divisiveness and just, um, my fingers aren't working today if I'm playing the guitar or I've got a sore throat or... Think about it. 
But God wants to see us go to this next level. And I started to see people writing songs. That New Testament church, we used to have this thing because I used to play the trumpet. And so I used to go all these worship practices, and, and we would talk about how we would New Testamentize a song, which was basically take a song that was well-written and change it. <laughs> so, but, but then I started to think, we've seen songs written and come out of this church before, and it's going to happen again. And I just, I didn't know, I, I don't know who that's for or what that's for. I just am saying somebody here, if not more than one, is going to start writing songs. And it's going to come from this heart It's going to be a heart you've never encountered before. It's going to be a heart where you can't help but just to praise the one that created you. The great I am. Now I'm going to ask the rest of the church, and I'm going to, those that can, I'm going to ask you all just to come up here and stand behind them as best as you can. This is because as they usher us before him and into his presence, It's not something that will stay in this building. It won't even stay on this block. You know, this morning I heard a bunch of hammering going on at a neighbor's house over here, and I I thought, well, I wonder if we'll hear that during the service. And then I had this thought, I wonder if they ever hear us. And, And I hope they do. And I hope that every sound they hear is one that's life changing and ushers them into his presence. I don't want to look beyond our community. I want to know that we're ushering them into his presence. So if you guys would just lay hands and stretch your hands towards the team this morning and join me as we pray. Dear God, I just thank you for talent. I thank you for God-given talent. It's not man talent. You didn't, you didn't uh, uh, let them start playing without you directing them. They may have tried and it didn't work, but Lord, you have directed them now to play and to give their talent to you. So, Lord, this talent that they give to you, they offer up as an offering. They perform before an audience of one. They do it because their heart is one that they want to worship you and have relationship with you and be in your presence always. So, Lord, anything that's caused them to question their ability and their talent, Lord, I I ask that you would take that from them. Take away fear and take away doubt Take away concern. Take away shame. And Lord, I pray that, that you'll, you'll fill that capacity with your love, with your joy, and with your talent, and with your God-given abilities that you will in turn give them. So Lord, I thank you for them. Bless them. Keep them. Protect them. Dear God, I, get, I come against anything that would be divisive, anything that would cause them to, to question Oh, hallelujah, Lord, we worship you. And Lord, we know that you can protect and guard. There is no, there is, it says in scripture that not even the gates of hell will prevail against your church, Lord. And these people are your church. So Lord, I thank you for the promise. And we come against those things in Jesus' name that would take them off the mark. Amen. Now I'm going to ask, stay where you're at except for the worship team. We've got five minutes. I want to close in worship. And during that five minutes, I'm going to ask you guys to just sing the song and think about what it is you're singing. And as you're worshiping, come on, team, get ready.
as you're worshiping, know you're going to leave here ushers. You're going to have a new job, and your job is going to be an usher. And your job is to usher people into his presence. How are you going to be prepared for that? Go to his presence now, because in his presence, he'll prepare you to be ushers. Amen? Ready, set, go. You know, I, as I was talking about you're to be ushers, that's your, your, your new job. I had a quick thought come to mind, and I'll share it with you, and that is this. Uh, we want you to serve in the church. If there's anybody here we don't want serving in the church. We want you all serving in the church. What's that look like? Come ask me. There's so much you can do from turning on lights to cleaning the church to answering phones to, to leading a life group, manning computer. I mean, there is so much. It's not just this. This happens Sundays and Thursday practice. There's stuff that goes on all week long. Imagine a church being the lighthouse as it's called to be and that anybody in the community at any given time of the day could come to the church and find the help that they need. So if you're interested in just being used by the Lord, let me know. Let's worship Him.